Okay, so we're in a series called Masterpiece in Progress. I kind of, I wish we brought back the uh, Bible Doesn't Say That intro, because that had some, like, metal going to it, and just a different vibe. Yeah, I know, I'm bringing back the walk-in music. Um, But this series is all about who we are becoming. We've been going almost verse by verse through the book of Ephesians, and though we don't get to unpack it to its fullness, we do get to explore a little bit of it, because none of us are the us that we want to be yet. The church is not the church we want to be yet. We are a work in progress, but according to the scripture, we're a masterpiece in progress. And so let's read kind of our key verse for this series that's our filtering lens. Let's read it together. It's from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. You can say it aloud with me. Let's start over again. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I love this because it defines who you are. However you saw yourself, if it doesn't align with this, it needs to fade away. If you didn't realize that you were created to be a force for good in the world, it needs to fade away. That's your and my role. In fact, later on it says he's putting us on display for all the generations to see. So let's start out with a word of prayer this morning. If you could with me, just put your hands in front of you. And just bow your head, maybe close your eyes and just focus for a moment. We're going to receive something. We're just in a posture, right? That's all this is, just a posture. Father, we invite you here. I pray for each one of my friends. I ask that we would bear fruit. That we would bear the fruit of the Spirit. That we would receive a full measure of your presence, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I'll add mercy and grace in there because that seems kind of funny. For each one of us, may we receive this this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Speaking of fruit... I had Pop-Tarts for breakfast this morning. It's a nice thin layer of Pop-Tart fruit in there, you know. It says made with real fruit on the box. And as I'm making them, I don't know, have you ever looked at a Pop-Tart box? Did you know that there are cooking instructions for the Pop-Tarts? Like somebody takes it out of their pantry and puts it on the, 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 the counter and says, how do I get all this goodness in me? In fact, there's not one, but there are two sets of instructions for Pop-Tarts. In case you start going down one road and it's too difficult, you can throw that to the wayside and go on a second track of how you can make Pop-Tarts. Now, I wasn't in the room when they started um, divulging the directions because if the first step wasn't toast Pop-Tart, 
then like I'm already at a loss. But it's not. In fact, when you start reading them, the first one says, remove pastry from pouch. You know, go back to the box for further instructions. Oh, place in toaster vertically. Okay, if you're reading instructions on how, how if you're reading instructions on how to cook Pop-Tarts, they're going to throw the vertical concept at you. I mean, there's a little bit of a disconnect, right? But how long does it take to toast a Pop-Tart? A minute? Like if you want it kind of crispy and real hot, like burn your mouth hot, right? There are microwave instructions for Pop-Tarts. I kid you not. How long do you think you would zap fry your Pop-Tart? No, the instructions do not say five seconds. Three seconds on high, as if you're waking up, bing, I overslept, I gotta go. And you're on the way. I don't even, like, three, who wants to eat in three seconds? And if you can possibly eat something in three seconds, perhaps you shouldn't, amen? Listen, I tell you this about Pop-Tarts because I think for so many of us, we want instant results. Instead of cultivating a life of faith that bears fruit, we just want to say yes and have the fruit. Well, you don't just automatically be wise or even aged. There's a journey process to those things. You grow your chops. You develop what is there. Think about it. Everything we have is on demand. Instant Netflix. Instant bank transfer. Thank goodness for instant bank transfer. Right? But everything we do is on demand. So when something takes time and intentionality to develop and become, all of the sudden it becomes difficult. If you're following along with uh, your notes today, you can go to wayfinders.info and you can keep tabs on the notes. I encourage you to write down notes so that you can access them later. Um, you can do it right on your phone and send it to yourself. You can do it on a scrap piece of paper and take it with you. But here's how I know we have always been conditioned for instant results. As far back as Aristotle, which is pretty far back, they have been kind of hammering this idea. And this is what basically he said. We are what we repeatedly do. What we become is our habits. If we are what we repeatedly do and what we become is our habits, right, which is what we kind of introduced last week, that what is inside of us ultimately comes out of us, right? That from our heart, from our identity and from our values, those shape our actions, which then the Holy Spirit gets the ability to reinforce or reinterpret. And because Ephesians finally takes a turn to be insanely practical, today I want to give you my 
single most important life hack spiritually. Because there's a lot of us who want the results and the outcome, but don't know how to get there. So I'm just going to share a little bit of my story from the Word, and then we have a guest who's going to share some of his story that I think will maybe shed some light on us. But here's what I'm finding. If I am what I repeatedly do, how many of you have like a set routine, right? Like, or just maybe you didn't set the routine, but the routine just happened, right? Pull in garage, get in, put stuff down, sit down on couch to decompress day. Ends up turning on Netflix, zap frying Pop-Tarts for dinner, no, um, right? We, we get into these habits and sometimes they're intentional and sometimes they're not. But if they ultimately have a hold on us, how do we break free from the habits that we have and cultivate some new types of behavior? And I'm not just talking about like short-term behavior modification because I can do that for a little bit. Right? Anybody ever try to like... Um, start using a planner, <laughs> right? And then, you know, because my wife is like a planner, like her planner is like planned out like down to like she knows when whatever she's going to be gone like six months in advance, she's planned it all out, right? Some people are not those people and so planner habits like really, really difficult and they set out with the best of intention and how long does it work? Two days, three days, a week max, Right? Because you don't have these systems set up to cultivate that habit in your life. Because you've already got these other habits that are trying to squish out change. So if you and I are going to become, we have to do something different than maybe what we have done. In fact, um, I read this quote this week, and I don't remember where I heard it, so I'm not quoting somebody, but I am. I just don't remember the source. And it says this. Drop it on there. Nope. I'll read it. We will not change until we change something we do daily. We will not change until we change something that we do daily. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump into the second half of Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read it from a version that I have never read for you guys. This is the message version. If you know anything about the message version, it, it's a very different version of the Bible. It was written by a, a pastor named Eugene Peterson, who is a language expert and been involved in several other Bible translations, but he wrote this to make sense of it for the average person like you and me, okay? And here's what it says. And so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. That's a bold statement. They can think 
They can't think straight anymore. They're feeling no pain. They let themselves go into sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. But that's no life for you. You learned Christ. This is a big... My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to him, been well instructed in truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, connected with the old way of life has to go. It's rotten through and through. Get rid of it. And then... Take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. What this adds up to then, meaning what the life in God ultimately looks like, is this. No more lies, no more pretense. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other after all. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Can I, like, that's a great spot to just say amen, right? Would our world be better if we didn't lie or have pretense walking into a relationship or a situation? Okay, we'll keep going because it's preaching for me. Go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry. But don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. And don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil or evil that kind of foothold in your life. Did you used to make ends meet by stealing? Well, no more. Get an honest job so that you can help others who can't work. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps. That's big. Say only what helps. Each word is a gift. I don't know about you, but I, I don't always treat each word like a gift. Unless I'm giving them something. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit Moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, and profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly hand as quickly and thoroughly as Christ forgave you. Does any part of that just automatically convict you? It does me. It's this bold passage about what a life in Christ looks like. And the call of this writer in Ephesians is to cast something off and to gain into something new. Now, if you're anything like me, when you set out on a new job or a degree or a relationship or a insert whatever it is that you set out to do, don't you want the end results? Yeah? I mean, for instance, 
um, you set a goal. Let's say it's a physical goal. Right? I'm going to uh, uh, get fit so that I can do a, a 5K. I don't want to even think about doing a 5K right now. Right? I'm going to get fit so I can do a 5K. Well, I can want those end results all day long. But the end goal is just a good outcome. It does not actually help me achieve that, right? About anything. It doesn't matter if it's physical or it's a goal at work, like a a sales quota or something that you've got to hit, new accounts that you've got to land, a relationship that you, 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 you need to work on. You can have an end goal in mind of what you think that is supposed to be, but just having that outcome in front of you to say, here's this new life God has for you. It's yours. That sounds all well and good, but it doesn't, sometimes it actually does the opposite. It imposes me. I can't have that life. How do you even get there from here? I think What happens is we want the end results, we love the outcomes, but not always the work it takes to get what we're looking for. And here's what I mean. The writer here, he drops all these indicators of what an old life would look like versus the new life in Christ. And here they are, letting people or letting ourselves go into addiction or obsessions, or sexual obsessions, which, by the way, takes our focus off of reality and into a fake version of intimacy and reality. Uh, The old life was based on lies, which are really about my insecurity, right? So I placate into my own soul, or misplaced anger, By the way, he says that it's okay to be angry. When you have a righteous anger, it's angry at the right things, angry at evil and brokenness and sin and corruption. Not angry at the person who we might be associating or the organization who we might be associating with that. Stealing, speaking to one another illy or, 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 or poorly, acting with attitudes towards others that are negative. These are all symptoms of what needs to change underneath. And when I think about all of this picture of the life that was and a life that should or could be, I feel like a lot of times my life doesn't measure up to the life that is described in Christ. Now, I'm saying that as a quote-unquote professional Christian right in front of you, right? So, along my journey, I took this verse and I started really thinking about it and, and meditating on it because the things that Paul or the writer describes about the life that was before are all symptoms, and I can change a behavior and a symptom, but it won't ultimately stay that way unless I'm changing the thing underneath the symptoms, unless I'm changing my heart, right? So 
I can treat the symptoms without treating the sickness, and it won't solve the sickness. So what I get to do is I get to do some heart work and some soul work. And I started praying over this, and I want to read this key verse for the text in chapter 4 in a different version that's going to go along with our life app. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, and instead, let the Spirit, everybody say the word renew, renew your thoughts and attitudes, putting on your new nature created to be like God, truly holy and righteous. If you didn't catch it in the, in the other version, it says, take on a new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside, working its way into your conduct. So God does something on the inside and it works its way out. The identity we have, the value we have shapes our actions. And so we have to do the soul work. That word throw off or cast away or get rid of in the message version is this uh, Greek word that says apotiemi, apotiemi, apotiemi. And um, what I found really funny, other than it says the word teeth when you translate it to English, um, is it's both an indicative and an imperative. Anybody know anything about grammar? Right? What is an imperative? An imperative is you must do this. An indicative of it is happening. So the word is actually both saying, you got to do it, and it's happening, all at the same time. We have a part to play in it, and it's already happening. So what might seem impossible when I look at the way that I live and the way that I feel like God has a new life for me in the scriptures and that, that divide that is there, when I read this text, I get encouraged because it's already happening and I'm being told I can do it. I'm going to throw off my old nature. Here's my life hack for taking on a new way of life. And this is kind of the, the, the main crux of it today. My outcome goal of this new life in Christ is a beautiful thing. And I can say no lies, the right kind of anger, all of those things on that symptoms list. But the only way that I am getting there is if I do the heart place. And so rather than putting an output goal, I'm focusing on the input goal. Right? I'm putting an input plan together, not an output goal. And here's what I mean. And by the way, this life hack isn't, well, it must be spiritual, but it's not just spiritual because it applies any part of your life. If you want to achieve something over here, what you have to focus on is not the end result. What you have to focus on is the input plan that you are putting together, the life you're going to cultivate. And so for me, what that meant was I needed to have a plan to hear God's voice, to hear his spirit. And so I didn't cultivate a Bible reading plan overnight. I didn't wake up and say, hey, I know the Bible. It didn't just happen. What happened was I figured that I wasn't very good at staying with a plan, so I needed to start something very small till I got into it. And so I started just daily with one verse. And I would read one verse, and I would think about it. 
And that also became how I prayed. That one verse somehow started informing the way that I prayed. So when I read a verse like throw off your old sinful nature and former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, I would start walking around during the day and say, oh, that's the old talk. God, would you help me? I didn't mean to lash out at that person. That's the old talk. I, I, I acted completely out of my insecurity when I did that. God, don't let me do that. And I, I started praying the verse as I'm going through my day. And all of a sudden, what God started revealing eventually became habit. And so what started with one verse a day and trying to think about it throughout the day became five minutes in the morning to read and five minutes to reflect and just ask God, what does this have to do with me? Is there something I need to change because of this? And by the way, that might sound really scary because of the deafening silence. Anybody else like have to have noise? The deafening silence was difficult. But as I kept doing it, what happened is my mind and my heart started to wander. And then I started writing stuff down because I was finding out things about myself that I didn't know, finding things that I felt like God was wanting to change in me. And it started with just a few minutes. Eventually, that became a plan that I put together. And so then I get to throw in these extra things like fasting, which curtail the spirit differently because I'm taking a physical approach to allowing the space for my habits to be changed so that I could hear from God. Just to give you a, a quick illustration, and then I'm going to have Pastor Jake come. In this series, Masterpiece in Progress, um, we've been talking about the way we are becoming. And there's this study done by a pottery school, an art school, that for an entire semester gave half of the class, all semester there only had one project, create a masterpiece piece of pottery, like a high quality level piece of pottery. That's the only thing they had to do. So they got to work on this one piece of pottery till it was done. And the other half of the class, they said, make pottery every day. Just make pottery. Just do it. Just, just make it. Throw it away. It's the end of every day. And you know what ultimately happens? The, the half of the class that had all semester to make one piece of good pottery all failed. And the half of the class that made pottery every day ended up making, on average, 3.2 pieces of masterpiece pottery. What's that tell you? Practice makes perfect. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? There's another story about the exploration to the South Pole. And these two sets of, uh, of camps go from their campsite 1,600 miles on Antarctica to the pole itself. And they both set out to go 20 miles a day. And one group said, 
we're only going to go the 20 miles when the weather is easy. And the other group said, we're going to go 20 miles no matter what. And so when the weather was good, they went 20 miles. And when it was bad, they stopped. When this group went, they went the 20 miles every day. And when the weather was good, they went fast. And then they were able to rest. On average, right, right, you'd think probably go about the same place. It's the same crazy terrain, same storms, all of that. These guys are going only as fast as they can when it's good. These guys are going every day no matter what. The group that went 20 miles every day beat them there by six months. We get to start putting an input plan that is about prayer and scripture reading and fasting and spiritual conversation. And that is how we are going to renew our minds. You know, verse 20 of this chapter says, pay careful attention to Christ, right, from the start. And I think that means cultivate this life. It's given to us as a gift, but we get to cultivate it. And I always, always, always hear the Holy Spirit better when I have a plan. Pastor Jake, I, I just want you to come up and, and um, if you don't know, this is Pastor Jake who is launching our Gerald Wayfinders Church. And um, I just, would you share just maybe one or two things that has helped shape you spiritually that are habits in your life? Well, <clears throat> it's awesome again to be with you, right? This is, uh, again, I, you guys know, I just glean, I, I'm so excited to be a part of you, a part of the Wayfinders uh, Church family, and so very, very excited. But Todd did a real bozo thing on asking the most undisciplined person to talk about input goals. And I have to tell you that there is no way, when you're, when you're getting into input goals, self-awareness is so, so important. Knowing yourself and what hang-ups you have are, are very, very crucial. I would be, you know, up a creek without a paddle if I didn't know what really troubles I had with input goals. And I'll tell you one thing before we get into the actual practicing that I have. It has a lot to do with this name tag. Um, you know, one thing that is the most crippling aspect, because it, we all know we could talk about great input goals for a long time and come up with some really good ones that get us a lot, a, a lot of different places. But what is the most crippling thing, even with the best plan, is sometimes we look at our lives and we have our failures identifying us, the things that we've just royally messed up on or the lack of input goals, sometimes our name starts to get associated with those failures. And I, I can tell you that even with the best plan, when these failures and these things, that these shortcomings that you proudly wear on your name tag start to define you, that that is step one. Because we have to remember that that God is becoming in all of us, that Jesus loves you so much that he doesn't just want you to stay exactly where you are. And he's making a new name for you, right? On the other side of this name tag 
is a name that God has for you, and it's, it's all about who you are becoming. He does not see you for what is on the front part of your name tag, all those burdens that you carry, the mistakes that you've made, the ones that you're putting on your own shoulders. He sees you for who you're becoming, and he's writing that in. And that is so, so important when you're looking at what it's like to have a great set of input input goals. And that, you got to live by the name that's on the backside of your name tag of who you are becoming to be. Because that's what's led me to say, man, un- discipline is something that the Lord has to do tremendous work in me on. Because I, I'm the first person, if you tell me to do something, I naturally just have this real hesitation of doing it. I mean, it is just a... It is just one of those things that I that I carry, but but like I, I'm not going to do that. No, yeah, exactly. That's okay. just a real hesitation. Yeah, right. So, but Jesus is is forming me and shaping me to be someone different. When I can lean into that, I can actually start to do things like some of these um, input goals. And I'll say one of my first input goals that has been really has made a lay, made a way for some some really good progress, is being a good quitter. Um, we're reading a book right now in Gerald called Love Does by Bob Goff, and he talks about how he quits something every Thursday. <laughs> every yeah. Thursday he's quitting something that's getting in the way from some really awesome things in his life. And I can tell you that I fill up my life with a lot of stuff that is preventing me from some really awesome input goals. So before you have a great input goal plan, you got to make room for some of these things that you want to do. So being a good quitter. I don't know if I could do it once a week because, I mean, imagine once a week on a Thursday quitting something. To I make feel like we could do it. That's a good challenge. You just threw the gauntlet down. Boom. I'm quitting Netflix I should not on Thursday. Dude, oh, I was thinking on. about that. All right. But that's the big, that's what me and yeah. you think. Maybe that's why I couldn't do it because I'm like, Netflix, gone. Not just like one show, you know, but like all of Netflix. So I don't know. But yeah, be a good quitter. That is something that's paved the way for me because I fill up my life with a lot, right? Because an undisciplined person like myself, it's like, yeah, that all sounds great. But when I quit some things that need to be quit, it makes a little bit more room for me to actually do something wow. else, so right? Good. Now, another app that I really like is called Pray As You Go. Um, there is an app on the phone that I use. Pray As You Go. Pray As You Go. Okay. Right? It's the, it is um, a little bit more formal in liturgy. It's not your contemporary Christian experience. There is typically some either Gregorian chants or uh, old, old school music in the beginning. And... Uh, that that is just something that is there. I don't I don't really have a big experience. I don't really enjoy that too much. Yeah. But there's always an incredible scripture reading and prompting of reflection that takes about um, about ten minutes. And that's something that at least once a week that I really really enjoy. Because to be honest, if I were to do an input goal of spend five minutes in prayer, my mind if I close my eyes for five minutes and I'm trying to pray, my mind interrupts me in prayer all the time. Yeah. Um, but you could do this app as you're driving. Yeah, when I'm driving. And it helps it helps me stay focused because if, I, if I'm in my own consciousness and I'm trying to close my eyes and pray real hard, I mean, I'm thinking about 
Netflix or <laughs> what I got to do or, uh, you know, something just pops up, right? In a, and then, a, you know, when I was in high school, I used to always say, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. Like it was some kind of, you know, guilty thing that, that my mind is just everywhere. But what I've understood is God loves spending time with me. Yeah. Like even in my chaotic mind, right, that where it's not com- completely focused all the time and, and not always just laser pin focus, but he really loves spending time with me. So pray as you go is one thing yeah. that I really like. Um, that's okay. something that has ma- made a major awesome. impact to me. I want to ask you one question. We've yeah. got time for one more thing, and I, I'm going to ask a question. Because for some of us that are uh, here, we're not uh, goal setters. The word goal is scary. And we don't even think strategically. We're people people. Where are my people people at? Mm-hmm. Right? We just kind of go into, and we know things got to have done, and we kind of just naturally flow it with people. You are a relational person. Yes. How has being intentional or purposefully opening up what you feel like God's wanting to do with you, in you, with other people, how has that made a difference? That is a great question. He's pulling something out that's one of my strengths is being a part of community. And I'll I'll just say this right now. If I were to just keep my walk with the Lord and everything that he's doing just between me and him, there would be a lot of non-laser focused (laughs) mind happening, right? In fact, I'm such an outward processor that if I don't have somebody to talk about what the Lord's doing in my life, things go untalked about, unreflected on, and, and undone. And so when I share that for me, when I when I invite other people to be a part of that journey with me, it's it's ultimately my place to process. And we have a I have a week a weekly meeting with a mentor and somebody else that he's discipling me and I'm discipling the other third part. We all disciple each other, and it's something that we do on a weekly basis. But without having some of some essence of that small group or community spoken in my life, nothing would get done in, because. My mind will go in other places one second to a next. So So here's where I'm going to leave you. My life hack was, for me, about putting some purpose into the things that I was doing, not the end result. That's my life hack that made the difference for me spiritually. I don't know where you need input or change. Maybe you need to quit something. Maybe you need to join a group because you realize, if I try to do any of this on my own, I don't really know God's voice. And so willy-nilly style, I'll just be out there dancing a jig on the hill by myself, or you just don't even know where to start. And so it might be good to have some support and guidance and, and connection. No matter where you find yourself, I want to invite you to remember this, verse 30 says, his Holy Spirit, that's God's presence, moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life. And here's what it's doing. It's making you fit for God. That's a gift that we don't take for granted. 
one of the values that we have is Christ in you, now go. You have Christ in you. That's a disclaimer. So be responsible to just cultivate that a little bit and lean into the amazing things that God has for you by learning to hear his voice. Whatever way that means for you. Not my way, not Pastor Jake's way. These are just ideas to get you started to spur into action. So everybody do this. Stand for me. We're going to end with this benediction, and I'm just going to speak it over you from the words of Ephesians. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long, how high and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Wayfinders, may you come to know that Christ is in you. May you walk the way that God wired you to walk, full of fruit and life. And where you need to create a new habit, may you create the space to become the you that God sees. May you know the way, the truth, and the life. Go in peace.